The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com. Hello, this is the Bloomberg Business of Sports Show. We explore the big money issues in the world of sports. I'm Michael Barr. I'm Scarlett Fu. And I'm Damian Sassauer. Coming up on the show, we talk with former NFL linebacker Brandon Copeland about his new career in finance. He has a consulting firm that helps pro athletes manage their money and also helps college players navigate this new world of NIL. NIL has just made athletes go pro earlier, right? And so some of the things that have plagued myself and my peers um, when it comes to the nature of being a pro athlete, right? Some of the, yes, it's a beautiful opportunity. You have amazing platform. You can change the world with it, but you also have a target on your back. Plus, there's still more fallout in the sports world from the collapse of FTX. Lawsuits are now targeting F1 and Major League Baseball. We'll get more on that up next. But first... It looks like we're going to have a big shakeup in ownership for the Dallas Mavericks. That's right, Mr. Barr. We learned this week that longtime majority owner Mark Cuban, I'm talking $6.7 billion Mark Cuban, is in talks to sell a majority stake to the Adelson family. What? More? <laughs> On this, we welcome Bloomberg Entertainment Editor Chris Palmieri. Chris, thank you, sir, for joining us on the Bloomberg Business of Sports. No problem. Thanks for having me. I, You know, Chris, I forgot it. Mark Cuban has been so much the face of the Dallas Mavericks for so long, I forgot that Mark Cuban bought the team from H. Ross Perot back around the early 2000s. Right. Paid uh, $270 million approximately, and at the current valuation is $3.5 billion. So, you know, that was, that was a pretty good investment on Mark's part. <laughs> Yeah, reportedly equal to a 1,100% return. Ooh. So, this was kind of a surprise, Chris. I mean, it feels Definitely. like it came from out of nowhere. Tell us what we know. Totally out of nowhere. I mean, I saw a filing uh, by Las Vegas Sands. Uh, you know, they were selling 2 billion shares, and then buried in there was that they were going to buy a unnamed sports franchise, which, of course, sent us all scrambling. And... Uh, I mean, you know, first thought it was going to be something in Las Vegas. There's you know so much activity about the NBA team there potentially. Or the Oakland A's moving, so uh, you know that was our main focus. But you know, ultimately figured out it was Dallas. It was a big surprise. Now there is some context which we reported later that they've been in talks with Cuban. Las Vegas Sands has been trying to get casino gambling legalized in Texas for years. Everybody has. Um, Huge opposition was two bills shot down again uh, earlier this year, so uh, not happening. But uh, that was the genesis of this, that they were going to build a new basketball arena in Dallas, a home to the Mavericks, but also would, would have a casino and a resort. And that's what Sands does. You know, They're famous for the Venetian in Las Vegas, have properties in Singapore and Macau. And so, you know, that's what they wanted to build, this sort of global entertainment destination there. And... Uh, how it came exactly to this, why Mark Cuban's selling, is uh, still a bit of a mystery. You know, he hasn't really commented publicly on it. Very unusual for him, a man who seems to comment all the time. Mm -hmm. uh, so uh, we're all now trying to figure out Chris, what's going on. 
Chris, you know, in my day job, I run uh, emerging market fixed income research here for Bloomberg Intelligence. I also run our global asset allocation suite. But when I try to explain to my wife anything about finance or tell her how we should invest our money, she doesn't listen to me. But last night when I came home, she told me we had to sell everything. And I'll tell you why. It was because Mark Cuban is selling the Mavericks. And because Mark Cuban always picks the top. I'm talking broadcast.com. I'm talking mama. Talk to us about what, I mean, is, do you think he could possibly be ill? Because he's also leaving Shark Tank at the same time. I mean, what's going on here? Yeah, I, you know, it, I feel really uneasy speculating. I mean, that's one of the things that came up. I've you know, heard people suggest maybe he's getting a divorce. I mean, we, uh, you know, we're just chronicling, we did a piece uh, in a business sports uh, newsletter about, you know, this is setting itself up to kind of, I think, be a potential fight because, a guy like him doesn't really totally give up. And the sort of signaling from his side seems to be that he's going to still control basketball operations. Uh, the Adelson family put out a statement, no, we're the governor. That means we, we control the team. Uh, you, you know, you can't, you can't have, uh, you know, a, a majority owner that doesn't have the ability to fire the coach or whatever, you know. And so I have a feeling that we're, we're just seeing the beginning of what's likely to be a soap opera here. Uh, and, um, you know, when I look back, I mentioned, you know, all the millions of dollars he's been fined over the years for his comments, gestures, I mean, $750,000 fine earlier this year for tanking the game. <laughs> uh, I almost wonder, I almost wonder if the league didn't give him a push Hmm. Interesting. Um, well, I tell you, you know, Chris, you know, the one thing that, you know, you, you know, you mentioned it about about, you know, legalizing gambling in Texas and and the whole casino play by the by the by, by Miriam Adelson. You know, my question is this, you know, maybe possibly, I mean, the answer is right in front of us that Mark Cuban just felt there was no way he alone could get that done, i.e. Stevie Cohen here in New York, right? I.e., you know, what the, uh, you know, what the Sands is trying to do out in Long Island, right? They're trying to get a license there. So, you know, talk to us about the challenges that, you know, I guess any owner of the Mavericks is going to have if they want to, you know, kind of build a casino down there, Hard Rock, Sands, whatever you have. Well, there's multiple challenges. One of them is the, the evolving nature of sports betting and uh, the rules. Uh, now, initially... There's a very handful of people, uh, Gary Gilbert with the Cavaliers and Tilma Fertitta uh, with the Rockets, most notably, of casino owners that own sports franchises. And, you know, you can't you can't bet on your own teams. Right? I mean, just accept bets on your own teams. It's very awkward. And that, that whole regulation of that is evolving. Uh, and so that's, that's sort of issue number one. Uh, and issue number two is the big work that involves legalizing casinos and winning licenses. And this is part of the cost of doing business. If you're a casino company, you hire armies, lobbyists. And, and Sands has been working in New York and Georgia and Texas and Florida. And, and they're not alone. They all are. MGM, Caesars. And, and you know, New York's case, they're vying for three downstate casino licenses uh, Hard Rock ultimately partnered with Steve Cohen and the Mets. Sands, as you mentioned, has got a copy of the old Nassau Coliseum on Long Island. They hope to develop. There's really only one sort of free license, so and a dozen companies fighting over that. Texas, a whole other story. I mean, it's just really hard to, to, to get that casino gambling bill passed yeah. the legislature there. So so these are, these are big obstacles uh, to any operator. 
So another possibility, and I'm just going to throw this out there, there's um, lots of talk on the internet um, that Mark Cuban may be letting go of some assets as he lines up uh, some moves to potentially pursue his political ambitions <gasps> next year's a presidential election year. So I'm just throwing that out there. He has denied that that's what he's going to do, but uh, the speculation comes and goes no matter what. But having said that, um, he's so synonymous with the Mavericks, Chris, uh, and you mentioned that he will still have a stake in the company, in the, in the team. Is he going to continue, from what we understand, to you know continue to sit on the sidelines, you know, right courtside seats, and and be the booster that he has been? Is there any indication that's changing? Could we really have a billionaire reality TV star as president? I don't know. Is that, <laughs> <laughs> that is possible? <laughs> Uh, I have no idea about his presidential ambitions. I just, yeah, I find it really hard to believe a guy like that is, is going to give up his courtside uh, seat. Uh, in fact, you know, all indications are he doesn't want to. He sort of seems to be wanting to have it both ways. Mm. You know, he was there this uh, past week, um, or, you know, right there. Uh, Chris, one last question. Why didn't Shark Tank get the first look on this sale? I mean, why didn't Kevin O'Leary, I mean, Barbara Corcoran, I mean, why? I mean, let's be real, doesn't he have an obligation to his fans, to the audience? No, I'm just kidding. Well, but, again, adding to the mystery of all this, it, it, this sort of came out in the same week that he said he was, this was next season's going to be his last one on the TV show. So it, it all does tie into this. You know, why is he sort of all of a sudden getting his affairs in order here? It's He's uh, taking steps towards something. And it goes back to what Scarlett was saying. He paid in 2000 for the Mavericks $285 million. And now the team is reportedly worth $3.5 billion. I just want to put those numbers out there. Yeah, and he's trying to find a way where he can continue to sit courtside and be as involved in the team as he ever has been. And perhaps not pay uh, taxes to the fullest extent of the... Oh, no, I'm just kidding. No, (laughs) Man. <laughs> uh, opinions expressed. Anyway, <laughs> all speculation. None, none of it's not. No, I mean, I, it is all speculation. I mean, we must admit. I mean, nobody knows anything at this point. But it's just such a shock because he's such a big Mavericks fan, such yeah. a big booster, and he's really that vision of what you want an owner to be. I think in not just the NBA, but in in, in major sports. It's like Steve Ballmer selling the Clippers or Steve Cohen Correct. selling the Mets. Yeah, yeah. Oh, don't say that. Uh, Or the Steinbrenners uh, selling the Yankees. uh, Come on, man. Should I I continue? My head is all screwed up here. Uh, Bloomberg Entertainment Editor Chris Palmieri, thank you, sir, for joining us on the Bloomberg Business of Sports. Thank you. Anytime. Coming up next, we learn more about the legal fallout in the sports world from the collapse of FTX. That is straight ahead on the Bloomberg Business of Sports, Bloomberg Radio around the world. Hi, I'm Ron Krzyzewski, Chairman and CEO of Stiefel. Financial advisors, if you're not growing your practice, you're losing market share. Stiefel is a growing entrepreneurial, advisor-centric firm built for successful advisors like you. Imagine having the resources of the largest wirehouses and the support of the boutique shops, but none of the bureaucracy to get in the way of you serving your clients. At Stiefel, it's your business, your book, your clients. I always tell the advisors we're recruiting, I want you to come to Stiefel and double or triple your business. Most of them laugh and shake their heads, but I'm serious. Don't take it from me. Take it from Stiefel's number one finish in J.D. Power's 2023 U.S. Financial Advisor Satisfaction Study. 
So there's a reason why 148 financial advisors joined Stiefel last year. Come join us and find out why Stiefel is the firm where success meets success. Visit www.choosestifel.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Carter Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers, and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights, and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com. This is the Bloomberg Business of Sports Show, where we explore the big money issues in the world of sports. I'm Michael Barr for Scarlet Fu and Damian Sassauer. FTX investors have been taking legal action against some of the celebrity promoters of the crypto exchange, and some of those promoters include big names in the sports world. These investors are suing F1 and Mercedes-Benz's racing team, as well as Major League Baseball, accusing them of helping FTX pull off its massive fraud with their involvement. And for more, we welcome Bloomberg News legal reporter Jeff Feely. Jeff, thank you, sir, for joining us on the Bloomberg Business of Sports. Happy to be here. We're talking about an $11 billion fraud, according to what the FTX investors are saying. Can you take us through what's happening? Yeah, there's a class action down in Miami uh, filed by FTS investors uh, investors against the celebrity promoters of uh, FTX's products, which they allege uh, are the equivalent of unregistered securities. You know, the cryptocurrency stuff has very little regulation at this point. And the allegations are that big names like Tom Brady and Shoei Otane and Shaq and Steph Curry were out shilling for FTX in TV ads, and they had patches. Some of them had patches on their uniforms, and they were out there encouraging people to buy, you know, crypto. And that basically amounted to uh, promotion to, in effect, buy an unregistered security. So, with 11 billion in damages being claimed. They're going after these folks trying to get some money, you know, recover some money out of them. So, Jeff, let me just understand, when we say FTX investors, are these the companies or individuals that back the platform, or are they people who had money and used the platform and were investing in crypto through FTX? Both. Uh, I think the answer is both. You have a situation where you have people who are, buyers and sellers, and you have people who are holders, if you will, just like stock. And, um, you know, all of them lost money. You know, they're trying to recoup some of that money from the promoters. Everyone's mad, no matter how they were involved with FTX, in other words. <laughs> yeah, there are, you know, there's nobody who came out of FTX smiling. Having followed Bernie Madoff and other frauds in the past, you know, very closely, I just want to ask this one simple question. In this particular class action run out of uh, out of Miami, I mean, are they alleging that Tom Brady forced them to buy crypto or that he forced them to house their crypto holdings at FTX? No. The, the allegation is that Tom Brady duped people into thinking that FTX was a legit operation and that crypto was a legit investment. 
That's the that's the extent. Nobody, there's no allegation of forcing anybody. No, I, but you get anything. my point. I mean, there there is a big distinction between convincing them or 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 tr- sort of marketing the beauty of cryptocurrencies writ large, as opposed to marketing FTX because it's a credible institution and a place that your money is safe at, or your crypto holdings are safe at. However you want to. Yeah, yeah, the allegations cover both. Right. I mean, you know, it's both the broader and the narrow. And, and it is a, you mentioned Bernie made off with my money. It is very similar because Bernie basically was working on his reputation as well on Wall Street. And people thought he was a safe and a good and a decent guy. And they invested on that basis. It's the same allegation. So looking, I just, just to finish off here, I mean, you look at Trevor Lawrence and some of these other athletes who are settling uh, some of these settlements. You know, what... You know, what are the, the, the plaintiffs, what are they hoping to get out of this? I mean, are, are they going to get some sort of recovery here? Yes, they're hoping to get money, and and, the, and they're going to get money. question is how much. Okay, these, you know, these settlements, these early settlements, I'm still trying to get numbers, but they're low. They're not anything big. When you start talking about Major League Baseball yeah. and Formula One, uh, those are businesses that, and, and the Mercedes racing team, you know, pass through to Mercedes. Those are businesses that have potentially billions in assets. And, you know, if they are found to be civilly liable, uh, you know, for uh, promoting unregistered securities, then they are, you know, at risk for having to pay. And it's just always a question of how much. Same thing in Madoff. So is the idea that someone like Tom Brady is liable for the amount that he got paid by FTX to serve as uh, a celebrity endorser? You know, let's just say he got paid ten million. So that's the amount that he'd be responsible for paying out to these uh, plaintiffs. Not all. Not that's. There's no bar on that. Yes, that would be one metric that they would look at in terms of how much you seek to recover. But it, you promoted potentially an illegal investment which means you have liability into whatever a jury or a judge mm, decides. Mm-hmm. So, Jeff, what it seems like is this is the uh, the Irving Picard grab for J.P. Morgan, right? I mean, that's kind of what, what it sounds Correct. like to me. Nice analogy. Correct. That's exactly right, except the difference here is this is not a trustee. There is an FDX trustee. You realize that, right? FDX is in bankruptcy in Delaware, mm-hmm. the company itself. And there is a trustee attempting to recover assets as that. The reason that this class action can go separately is that those promoters are not FTX employees. They're contractors, if you will. So they aren't covered by the bankruptcy. Now, here's something that's a little different from the celebrity endorsers compared to Major League Baseball. And I forgot about this is that at one point, the MLB umpires wore the FTX patches on their sleeves. And it seems like this lawsuit is more toward MLB itself instead of individual celebrity endorsers. That is correct. They're basically making um, MLB and Formula One and the Mercedes racing team into the equivalent of Tom Brady, Shaquille O'Neal, Snowy Otani. They are organizations that promoted FTX as opposed to people. This brings also the the problem is not just FTX, but any celebrity that endorses a product. Uh, the, the celebrities, by the way, are saying, hey, wait a minute, this is meritless because 
the uh, advertisements and sponsorships, we didn't specifically encourage anyone to deposit money in FTX accounts. But if you see somebody's celebrity face on a, a product, whatever, the whole point of why they're there is because <laughs> they're there for an endorsement. That's correct. That's right. I mean, and that, the whole idea of having Shaquille O'Neal or Tom Brady appear, or Larry David uh, appear in a an ad, which Larry David appeared, an actor appeared in a very famous Super Bowl ad for FTX. Um, the idea is that people recognize them. They know who they are. There's a level of trust, if you can, you know make any mm-hmm. level of trust of anybody today. You know, celebrities like Tom Brady and and Shaquille O'Neal, they're very common on TV, and they have a, created a brand for themselves and, and a bit of trust. And people see Tom Brady investing in crypto, and they think, well, hell, it's good enough for Tom. It's good enough for me. I'm glad you bring up Larry David, though, because his ad was about how he wasn't convinced about crypto, that he thought it was a terrible place to be. And so he might actually be the one that comes out (laughs) looking better in all of this. No, I'm sorry. I beg to differ on that. I believe that Larry David was doing his contrarian act there. That was, in effect, a here's a crusty old guy playing a crusty old guy who says, don't invest in crypto. Don't be like Larry and get left behind. Amazing. Quote, unquote. Bloomberg News legal reporter Jeff Feely, thank you so much, sir. Of course, we're going to be following this story closely as it develops. Thank you again for joining us on the Bloomberg Business of Sports. No problem, guys. See ya. Up next on the show, we have a former NFL pro who's helping pro and college athletes better understand their finances. That is straight ahead on the Bloomberg Business of Sports from Bloomberg Radio around the world. Success is more than the final destination. It's a path you take one step at a time. It's discipline. It's teamwork. And it's the drive and passion inside of us that comes before all recognition. It's what Stiefel's been doing for over 130 years. Quietly, yet strategically, Stiefel's become one of the fastest-growing wealth management and investment banking firms in the country. Our financial advisors go beyond traditional wealth management to provide clients with direct access to one of the industry's largest equity research franchises and a leading middle market investment bank. Because success is the drive it takes to keep climbing, the passion to keep investing, the best of each of us made better by the best in all of us. And that is where success meets success. Start your journey at Stiefel.com. That's S-T-I-F-E-L.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Carter Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com. Thanks for joining us on the Bloomberg Business of Sports Show, where we explore the big money issues in the world of sports. I'm Michael Barr, along with Scarlett Fu and Damian Sassauer. Former NFL linebacker Brandon Copeland has a new career in finance. Yes, he does, Mr. Barr. He's got a new consulting firm called Copeland Media and co-founded Athletes.org. His focus? 
helping the pro football player understand their money and college players as well navigate the new world of NIL. And here to talk with us about his commitment to helping college and pro players with money management is the man himself, Brandon Copeland. Brandon, welcome, sir, to the Bloomberg Business of Sports. Thanks for having me. Thanks for having me. How you guys doing? Oh, we're doing great. But not as well as you are. It's like, you know, you've got this business that you got going here. Uh, proud to, to mention it. It's I guess the best way I can describe it, NIL has changed everything when it comes to finances and giving advice to young athletes. Yes. Yeah. I mean, NIL has just made athletes go pro earlier, right? And so some of the things that have plagued myself and my peers um, when it comes to the nature of being a pro athlete, right? Some of the, yes, it's a beautiful opportunity. You have amazing platform. You can change the world with it, but you also have a target on your back. And there's a lot of mistakes that you can make from bad people, bad actors, um, and fraudulent individuals. And coupling that with not only trying to be the greatest you can be at your particular profession, but now this pressure to also be an amazing business person, entrepreneur, uh, investor, <laughs> when you know all of us are just growing and evolving. And so with, with athletes.org, uh, we've created a, a one-stop shop for athletes so that they can get on-demand support whenever they need it. They can find legal experts to get free contract review. They can get free second medical opinions. They get free background checks, right? So they don't have to guess these things when it comes to business. They also, for college athletes in particular, they also have a voice. There's also There are a lot of decisions being made in college athletics about athletes without their opinions being heard. So we actually give them a, their opinion and get them to the table with college athletics leaders so that their voices can be heard. And finally, our goal, we, we will earn the right to make them more money. My goal has always been, hey, how can I make more millionaires? And then how can I make that a generational wealth thing? And so by providing the support, by giving them a voice, and by going out and making them money, now when they do make this money, they actually know and have options and resources of things that they can actually do with it. So it's a life-changing platform. It's a life-changing vehicle. Brandon, in many ways, it feels like you were born to do this. Uh, You were a three-time Ivy League football champion playing for Penn. You graduated with a degree in management and entrepreneurship from Wharton. And I believe you saved 90% of your salary when um, you were working in the NFL. So I'm curious as to how early were you thinking about an organization like Athletes.org and how has it changed since um, those first ideas kind of popped up in your head? Yeah, I think, as as you mentioned, it's like there's different experiences that I've had, whether that's teaching at 10 and while playing and talking and doing uh, classes around financial education, how to buy a house, how to buy a car, what's your credit score, why does it matter, or being on CNBC's Financial Wellness Council, and and I know that's a competitor here, so, you know, let's not... Let's not talk too much about CNBC <laughs> on Bloomberg. I, I get that, right? But but ultimately, as you mentioned, right, like we're all just products of our experiences and I'm a product of the things that I didn't know. I just, I, I've been fortunate and blessed to have lived my dream 10 times over. And I, I'm, I want to see other people live their dreams. I want to see other people have that experience. And so, you know, we've been working on athletes.org for over a year now. And, and really it's the culmination of all of these 
different things that I wish I could have done and different things that I wish I had. And now we're bringing it together in the form of our platform. And it's been phenomenal. And and I think the, the simplest way to, to, to frame it is, you know, a lot of times when I stand up talking to people about financial education or how to buy a house or whatever, you know, investing, one of the main things people ask is like, well, what should I invest in or, or how can I get started or all these things? And you have to always say, hey, like, I can't tell you that stuff. You need to seek professional advice. What athletes.org is, it's a directory of all of these different professionals that are willing to invest in these athletes and give them pro bono services to start. So now they actually are paired with people that can help them do. So, so they're vetted, Brandon? Of me saying Say it again. They're vetted? Yep, they're vetted. They're, they go through an intake form. They're verified by us. Um, and it's, it's a, a registry. It's a, it's a process. Uh, but ultimately, um, all of these people have also, we've negotiated on behalf of the athletes to say, hey, before you have to write a check to these folks, why don't you prove to the athletes what you can do? So a woman's rower right now at you know, the University of Omaha, Nebraska, uh, the third string rower, right? Uh, she can come to our platform and get a contract reviewed for free. Wow, that's amazing. Get a background check for free. The same thing that a first round draft pick could potentially get. So we've been able to digitize this and offer it at scale so that we can stop hearing some of the horror stories. So, so Brandon, you know, it's, I just want to go back a second. You know, you, you, you say that a lot of athletes, you know, they surround themselves with bad actors. And, you know, you played for the New York Jets back in 2019 for Adam Gay. So he's the first guy who comes to my mind. But no, seriously, I mean, how do you differentiate between people like Sam Bankman Fried and FTX and crypto? I mean, even Tom Brady and Steph Curry nice. couldn't, you know, they couldn't tell the difference. So, you know, giving them the names of these people and actually being able to kind of differentiate between something, quite honestly, that it's just so hard to do, you know, doesn't yeah. that put you a little bit at risk? Yeah, I, we don't claim to be perfect. And, and we also are not taking on the role of like, hey, stamping these different people within a directory. What we're doing is we're screening them. Uh, we are verifying them, but we're not saying we know this person. We go at home with them at night and we see all the different things that we're doing. We're saying that they have cleared a certain hurdle to at least prove to you that they're willing to invest in you. Right. Um, and that right there alone, you know, we launched in August. We were doing it live. We're doing it now. Um, that right there alone is a start where we want to go and really prove out in the future um, we have some different ideas and things that will help push bad actors out of the space that allow athletes to give ratings and reviews for the different professionals that have worked with them. I will not sit up here and claim we're going to be completely perfect and we're going to know everything and everybody because, again, as you said, sure. there's people who literally do this uh, you, you know the Tom Brady's, the 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 hedge fund investors that <laughs> yeah, the smart money guys this. out there. It's yeah. very hard to yeah, yeah. I mean yeah, exactly. And you know exactly. Well, well, look, I mean, I have to ask a question. I have to ask it on behalf of my my colleague uh, Michael Barr. You know, um, yep. you know your 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 father, former Colts defensive end Roy Hilton. You know, I mean, the Ravens now, Baltimore. That's where you're based. 
plus 600 to win the Super Bowl. I mean, who do you really, I mean, is it going to be the Niners, the Chiefs? Who do you really like out there? You know, I I could see, I could see Michael, you know, he's opening up his wallet. Um, You know, what, who do you like this year? I mean, it's going to be, it's a lot of parody out there. Yeah, man, it's a lot of parody out there, which is what makes the NFL beautiful. I think, you know, for me, Baltimore, I love Baltimore. Do they do they, do they have the stamina it takes to get all the way through? I would never bet against uh, Coach Harbaugh, but um, I would love to see them win. But you you can't ever count out Kansas City, and I, I think we might end up seeing a, a repeat matchup from last year um, in the Super Bowl, and so. I'm going to go ahead and, and I'm going to put Kansas City up there. I think if the if we do see that that matchup again, though, I think that uh, you know Jalen Hurts and them will will do similar to last year and take it toe to toe to the end, and hopefully uh, they are able to to pull it out this year. You know, because I always like to see the quote unquote underdog win. I like to see new new folks and new faces hoist the trophy, but I'm never going to. Uh, I think Pat Mahomes and I want to go back to something that Scarlett said, that you saved 90% of the money that you made in the NFL. Now, I'm going to make a statement, and it's going to get me in the doghouse with my wife. This was an actual sentence as we're talking. And she said, we're going to throw a Christmas party, so we got to get a new couch. I'm like, wait, 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 whoa, whoa, what? <laughs> wait, wait, whoa. It's like, now, now, granted, we do need a new couch, man. <laughs> I it's think like, that's the point. That's the point. But now I could sit on like a used tire. So my point is, <laughs> so, you know, it, that's admirable for 90%. For the average household, how do, you, how do you do that? How do you get that savings up there? Yeah, I think one, it's it's yeah, like you said, first and foremost, being on an NFL salary, it's it's one understanding what you need, right, and and what you really what really makes you tick, right. And so for me, you know, I only spent money on the things that I needed, um, investments in my body, training, things like that. Um, obviously investments in putting a roof over my head in season and, and obviously in the off season. Uh, but I was not making purchases that uh, I could potentially look back on a year or two from now and be like, why the heck did I buy that car? I don't even really like that car. I don't even really like that color, you know? And so for me, I just was really, really conscious of like, this could end tomorrow. So I'm just saving as much as possible for the, the average household, I think you still take on that mentality, but you're not necessarily trying to save 90% unless your your income allows you to do that. It is really just stripping out all the fat and all the things that you do with and your purchases to make sure that you are purchasing things that you need and you enjoy. So like, hey, you know, do we need a new couch? Like you say, we might need a new couch. So, hey, we might as well go ahead and buy it. The Christmas party's coming up. Let's go ahead and do it. But are we buying that couch uh, for the, the to keep up with the Joneses or for our friends, or we really actually value that couch, right? And so again, whether it's ninety percent, fifty percent, forty percent, I really just try to say strip out the fat and purchase things that you will actually be using five years from now or be proud of 
proud that you purchased five years from now. I get, and Scarlett, Damian, Brandon, I'm sure Linda's listening in at home saying, well, maybe if you quit going online and playing <laughs> poker, maybe we could save some money, too. I'm sorry. So yeah, No bets I, on the Super Bowl. Uh, yeah, yeah. In yeah, February. Yeah, sure. <laughs> you know, you know, Brandon. I have to ask you one thing. You played for you know six different NFL franchises in what ten years, right? So you have a very interesting kind of outlook on what it costs to be that type of player. You know, uh, you know who's you know kind of moving around a lot. You know, like it, yeah. you know, talk to me about you know comp today in the NFL and that type of a lifestyle that you had to lead. I mean, are there a lot of you know players out there that are kind of you know that are just middling that are having difficulty making ends meet? or are they on the other side of that fence they're making a lot of money they're able to save it and you're able to help them put it to work yeah i think that you know there's definitely players that i don't don't know if you would necessarily say they're having difficulty making ends meet but there are players (laughs) that have made you know listen you know my second season in the nfl i made eight grand and then was cut for the whole season right you know, and then I was fortunate to stick on and, and, and keep believing in myself and came back in 2015, my third season. And then I finally really unlocked my, my real quote unquote NFL career. So there's a, a number of guys who are literally, you know, probably, you know, hundreds in the bank account or, or overdraft in the bank account to try to chase their NFL dream, so to speak. Uh, the, the biggest thing that, that, that's, something that you have to navigate as a player is not getting too comfortable. And what I mean when I say too comfortable, I've seen guys my rookie year, for example, guys that had been cut or released from another team and had a 12-month lease in San Francisco came to Tennessee because he had a newborn, wanted to get another 12-month lease, uh, yeah, another yeah. apartment with his wife and, and child, gets cut again three weeks later, then goes to Indy, now has to pay for another place. And, you know, oh you can God. look up and have seen guys who've had three different places and they're living in obviously one. So that taught me, hey, I'm getting a short-term lease. As soon as the season ends, my money, I'm not putting any more money into this apartment or place that I'm moving away from. So like details like that, that I've been fortunate to see are also going to the reasons why I was really conscious of, uh, of my money. And also, as you mentioned, my, my grandfather played 11 years in the NFL. I knew this was going to end, right? Like I know this is over at some point and I want to keep as much of it as possible and put it to work for me. Um, so to, to, again, hopefully I'm answering your question directly. There are guys who are navigating it as they go, but there are definitely some guys on the fringe who are probably, you know, they're, they're betting on themselves right now. Mm-hmm. They're hoping that they can get a chance to, to see that, that, that second light at the end of the tunnel in their career. And, and the final thing I'll say, I got down to 243 bucks in my bank account after year two, you know? And fortunately, like I said, got a chance year three with the Detroit Lions and the rest was quote unquote history. But, you know, I, I never wanted to see my, my number get that low in that bank account ever again, which is another reason why I was so aggressive with, with my saving. That's right. Took the Detroit Lions and hello, man. I'm I'm sorry. That's a Lions (laughs) fan talking. I'm sorry. Brandon Copeland, founder, Copeland Media, also co-founder of Athletes.org. Brandon, you were so kind to talk with us on the Bloomberg Business of Sports. We really do appreciate it. Thank you, sir. 
Thank you for having me. I appreciate you all. This has been the Bloomberg Business of Sports podcast, where we explore the big money issues in the world of sports. I'm Michael Barr. Follow me on X at Big Bar Sports. And I can be found on X at Scarlet Foo. And I'm on X at T Sassauer. And hey, you can download this show wherever you get your podcast. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Carter Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at CarterEconomicForum.com.